We welcome you to the media ministry of Denton Bible Church. Mark 14, would you look with me there, please? Mark 14, I'm going to read a few verses, probably phrase and stop, but you'll get this story before we're through. Now, the Passover and unleavened bread were two days away, and the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to seize him by stealth and kill him, for they were saying, not during the festival. Otherwise, there will be a riot, might be a riot of the people. The Passover and the unleavened bread, you're probably very familiar with that. Passover commanded by God for the Jews to commemorate the time when the Jews were leaving Egypt. I want you to kill the Passover lamb. Take some of that blood and put it over the doorposts of your home. And when the death angel goes through the land of Egypt that night, when I see the blood, that great old hymn, I will pass over that house. If you did not have the blood on the doorpost of that house, the firstborn son was, would die that night. All of Egypt, there went up a great cry at midnight because every Jew had the blood from the Passover lamb put over the doorposts and the death angel would pass by because they saw that blood. I talked to you one time about the scarlet thread of redemption. That is a theme of pearl stringing that goes all the way through the scripture. Genesis 3.15, there's going to be one to come. Adam and Eve, you messed it up. Don't y'all want to talk to them when, they, when you get to heaven? Just a little bit. You want to sit down and talk to them and say, what were you thinking? But God, in his infinite love for us, Genesis 3.15, but there's going to be a seed of the woman. And the seed of the woman is going to have... Satan is going to crush his heel, going to be allowed to, to harm him, to hurt him. But the seed of that woman will crush Satan, the enemy's head, in a, a mortal wound and destroy him. How is that going to be accomplished? It'll only be accomplished through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Started talking about in Genesis 3.15, Rahab the harlot, least likely to be accepted by God because of her lifestyle and her sinful nature. The Israelites were coming into the land. God said, I'm going to give you this land. I don't give you this land because you're righteous. I take this land away from these other people because they are unrighteous. God was patient with them for 1,500 years before he ran all those people out of the Middle East. And he said, I give it to this land. There was a woman named Rahab. And she said to the Jewish people, I know. I know God has given you this land. There is a fear and dread of my people of you because God's already done it. If God said it, it's as good as done. And she asked a question. She said, would you spare myself and my family? And you remember those spies from Israel said, here's what you do. When we come into the land to destroy this land and, and to drive people out of it, you take a scarlet ribbon and you put it in the window a red crimson ribbon, and you let that be uh, put outside your window. And when we see that red, just like in the, in the Exodus, when we see the blood, we will pass over that house. When we see that scarlet ribbon, a picture of the blood that the Christ would soon uh, shed on Calvary, when we see that ribbon, we will pass over that house. Everyone that's in the house is going to be spared. The scarlet thread of redemption and then Jesus came along and he spread his arms wide on the cross of Calvary and he gave himself. And he not only gave himself, but he shed his blood. Your blood and my blood was not good enough to satisfy God because it had sin. Jesus didn't have the blood disease of sin.
and he shed his blood, the scarlet thread of redemption. The Passover is to remember when they came out of Egypt and put the blood. You and I as Christians now, we have blood, the blood of Christ, but it's over the doorpost of our heart. And when the Holy Spirit looks at us, he sees the blood of Christ. Aren't you glad? He doesn't say, I know what you've done, Mike, and I know how sorry you are, and I know your past, and I know you're not worth He sees the blood. Our life is hid with Christ in God. So that's the Passover. Kill the fatted, uh, the, the lamb. Kill, uh, had a, have, a, have a Passover meal together. That's when you teach your children, why are we doing this? Why do you eat it with bitter herbs? Why do we do it on a certain day of a certain month, a certain time of the year? Remembering God delivered us from Egypt. The second part of it is the unleavened bread. Now, the lamb was to be killed on the 14th of the month, Nisan. That's not a Japanese car. Uh, but the 14th month in their calendar was called Nisan. And it was killed on the 14th. A Jewish day started at 6 o'clock in the evening. And therefore, it was killed before the sun went down on the 14th. It was eaten on the 15th. Picture of Jesus. What time was Jesus uh, crucified on the cross? About the time of the evening sacrifice. Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. That's why we don't have to kill uh, bulls and goats and sheep and all those animals anymore. He's the perfect sacrifice. But it had to be on the 14th. They ate it on the 15th. And then that was on the night of Passover. Then the second thing I read to you was the unleavened bread. Unleavened means it doesn't have yeast in it. You have to wait for the yeast to make the bread rise. And when the Israelites came out of Egypt, God said, I want you to bake unleavened bread. You don't have time for the yeast to work. And it's left out of that because I want you to eat it in haste. I'm going to bring you out of the land of Egypt. For 430 years, they had been in the land of Egypt, 30 years under prosperity with Joseph, 400 years making bricks in hard, taskmasting slavery. But God said, I'm going to set you free. And after 400 years, the Bible says, to the self-same day, one version says. Does God forget? He doesn't forget what he says. On this day... I'm going to bring you out. And the Bible says the 400th year on the day at midnight, 1159, the Jews were enslaved. And at, at midnight, they were free. Picture of your life and mine. We were slaves to sin, the taskmaster of the enemy. But when we came to know Christ, at the darkest time of the night, you know what midnight is? It's the darkest, and then it starts getting lighter. And that's what happened in our lives spiritually also. The unleavened bread lasted seven days. Now, that's the kind of meal I want to go to. I want to go. We're going to eat. You want to come over to the house? Yes. Can I stay seven days? How many of you admit some of those leftovers are better than they were at the first? My mother used to make uh, turkey on, on uh, Thanksgiving. It was great, dressing, all the other things. My wife's a great cook. But there's something about the leftovers, and in this case, those leftovers even taste better than the first time. The unleavened bread was a feast that they would have for seven days. And it remembered how quickly the exit was from Egypt. I don't want you to waste time. I want you to get out of there. Don't put any yeast in your bread. Don't wait for it to rise. We're going to go out in haste. 
And God wanted them to remember. So that's the time that we're at right now. Mark, in this gospel, is approaching Jesus' death. He's approaching everything that that Passover, the Old Testament, was pointing to. Everything of leading God's people out of Egypt is pointing to this one. Everything from Genesis 3.15, the Proto-Evangelion, the first gospel, is all pointing to what Mark is reading and teaching us about in the gospel right now. He's coming. Finally, the Messiah is going to accomplish all these things that there were foreshadows of the real to come. So we're in a special time in this passage. He's trying to get his disciples ready. And isn't that just like Jesus? How many of us, if we knew we were going to die this week, we'd have to get a lot of things ready for ourselves? Jesus is getting a lot of things ready for everybody else. That's just like him. So, now the Passover and unleavened bread were two days away. The chief priests and the scribes, and we we ought to say, boo, those are the bad guys. They should have been the good guys. They claimed to know God. They claimed to know the, the, the scripture, but they had, Jesus, God said, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me about people like that. He said, you look bright and shiny on the outside, but you're full of dead men's bones and corruption on the inside. We've got to be careful of that, that we don't just clean the outside of the cup and let the sin stay on the inside. The chief priests and the elders, the scribes, they had already had the plan to try to kill Jesus. They were seeking how to seize him by stealth and kill him. Let's capture him. Remember, I've told you before, though, until the moment that Jesus Christ would allow them to take him, he has a force shield. All of us know, we've seen movies, you've played video games, and until that force shield is taken down, nothing can happen. Well, he has a force shield. All throughout the Gospels, Jesus said, my time is not yet. My time is not yet. My time is not yet. And they could not do anything to him until he allowed them. Uh, Pontius Pilate said, don't you know that I have power to release you or I have power to deliver you up? to be crucified. Jesus said, you wouldn't have any power over me at all except it were given from my Father above. Jesus had his force shield up until it was the time. And in John chapter 12, Jesus prays to the Father, now is my soul troubled. You may be here tonight and your soul's troubled. Mine is a little bit. Well, Jesus is the one, uh, God's the one to cry out to. Now is my soul troubled. Father, shall I pray, Father, save me from this hour? Save me from the cross? It's like Jesus is saying, God, is there not any other way? Can't we do this another way that I don't have to die on a, on a Roman crucifix, a hideous form of capital punishment? I don't have to suffer the shame that people would walk by and laugh at me that I'm there with like a common criminal dying, uh, dying for crimes that I've committed. Is there not another way? Now is my soul troubled. But he said, Father, if the only way you remember that this cup will pass is I drink it, not my will, but thine be done. In John 12, he says, but Father, I was born for this. Glorify your name. Glorify your name. And notice, it's not time yet, verse 2. For they were saying, not during the festival. We want to kill him, seize him, steal him, but not during the festival. 
Otherwise, there might be a riot among the people. The population during the time of the Passover, because Jewish men were commanded three times a year to go back. These are uh, their three important high feasts of Israel. And this is one of them. The population, uh, historians say, sometimes rose up to 200,000 people. They came from all over back, a pilgrimage back to Jerusalem during this time. So these chief priests and these scribes say, we want to seize him, we want to steal him, and we want to kill him. Does that sound like the work of the enemy, by the way? Steal, kill, and destroy. But we're afraid to do it because if we do that and, and this crowd gets excited, they might turn on us. So it's not the time yet. They don't know it, but Jesus hasn't allowed it to be the time yet. Verse 3, while he was in Bethany. Oh, a lot of things happened good in Bethany. Bethany is where Mary and Martha and Lazarus lived. and Lazarus that Jesus had raised from the dead. How would you like to be known as Jesus' friends that he hung out at your house for a long time? When he would come into Jerusalem, the day he, the day he cleared the temple with the, with the whip and, and said, not in my father's house. And guys, that's what we need to do in our country. When all this sinful things are coming over our television sets and through our government, through our institutions, through our churches, through our families, we ought to say, not in our house. By God's power, not in our house. But he'd go back to Bethany. They'd take care of him and feed him. And he could rest a little bit with his disciples. At this time, it says, while he was in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper. Yeah. The world wouldn't want to have anything to do with somebody that was called Simon the leper. But Jesus did. Aren't you glad that Jesus came on the greatest search and rescue mission the world's ever known? He came to seek and to save them that were lost. He came to seek and to save them that were unclean. Oh, I don't want to touch them. I don't want to get near them. I don't want to get involved. It might cost me something. I'm afraid. Jesus wasn't. Staying at Simon the leper's house and reclining at the table. I can still remember getting in trouble for putting my elbows on the table. Come on, anybody your generation? Yeah. If I, was, if I would have been more versed in the scripture, I could have said, Mama, Jesus laid down at the table. That probably wouldn't have worked that night. Uh, because that's the way Jews ate. They reclined. They leaned. Remember, John leaned on the bosom of Jesus at the Lord's Supper. Uh, that picture that you see that where they're all at this nice table, they're all sitting up behind there, not biblical, sorry. It's good art, not good theology. They reclined at the table. And uh, that was a very common posture for eating at a Jewish table. There came a woman. How many times in the scripture? Mark is a wonderful storyteller, and uh, we told you there's 40-something times that he says, immediately. And we've been counting them. We're up to about 37 right now, I think, 30-something. Immediately. It's like when a little child goes to Disneyland, and you say, what happened? Oh, we did this, and we did this, and we did this, and their eyes get big, and their, their voice gets a little bit higher, and they, they, they breathe a little faster because they're excited to tell you what happened. Or like some of you when you go to Bucky's. I know who you are. I know who you are. If you got any visitors with you here from out of state, be sure and take them by Bucky's. Your life will never be the same. <laughs> there came a woman. John chapter 12, verse 3 says, This woman was Mary, sister of Martha and Lazarus, a friend of Jesus. She's one of them that cried out, 
oh Jesus, our brother's sick and eventually our brother's dead. And she saw the Son of God say to Lazarus after he'd been in the grave for four days, Lazarus, come forth. You may be in a situation where you feel like this relationship in our family, this financial situation, my health situation is already in the grave or close to it. We serve a living God. And when God said, Lazarus, come forth, he came up out of the grave. And he can say, Lazarus, come forth to you and me too. Have you heard someone say before that Jesus probably said, Lazarus, come forth, because if he didn't use Lazarus' name, all the graves would open up? There's going to be a day when all the graves, I do funerals all the time, and I tell those families, you know why your loved one is facing this way toward the east? Because Jesus keeps his word, and he's coming back for us, and I'm so glad. A woman came with an alabaster vial or box of very costly perfume of pure nard, like a spike nard. Now, this is a perfume. Good perfume smells so good. Now, I want to tell you, there is some bad perfume. Whenever I was a little kid, we would go to church, and, and uh, some of the uh, mature ladies that had been there a long time, uh, they had some perfume that made the cows uh, talk outside the windows. I don't know what was in that, but it was strong, and it just didn't really smell that great. But isn't it wonderful when you walk into a room or you walk next to someone and a really uh, good aroma, uh, a perfume, and it's sweet smelling or whatever kind it is. I, I, I like the kind that, that is like a, a fruit, you know, it smells uh, like that and different, different types of it. She came with a, this is actually a perfume that they said was native to India. It was extracted from the root of a plant and uh, she is gonna break this box open. I want you to get that picture. This could have been a family heirloom. It cost three quarters of a Jewish salary for the year. So it's not just something that you bought down at the five and dime. Uh, three quarters of a salary for a year, this alabaster box, and she is going to break it. And can you just picture yourself? You've been watching some of you, The Chosen. Isn't it neat to see just what could have happened to see the expressions on people's faces? When this woman broke that, you probably could just smell the beautiful perfume that filled that room. And it just set the mood for something. We don't know what this woman's going to do, but it would have been a sweet, good, good time. This woman came with an alabaster vial of very costly perfume of nard. Uh, could that woman have sold that? A family heirloom, probably. She could have sold it and got a lot of money. That would have been a lot of money for her or her family. She probably had needs. Her family had needs, too. But for some reason, she had kept this alabaster box. Beautiful, I picture a beautiful box with precious, wonderful, sweet-smelling perfume on the inside. Very costly perfume, it says, and she broke the vial. And she took that and she brought it up to Jesus. This is not the time that she wiped Jesus' feet with her tears and washed them with her hair. This is the time she brought that box up to Jesus' head, 
broken with all of that beautiful oil of perfume spilling out. And she let it anoint his head with oil. Does that sound familiar from the prophets? Thou anointest my head with oil. That's nothing new to anoint someone. That was a common practice in Israel. But there's something special about this day. She anointed his head. She, she poured it over his head. I want to tell you that's real worship. In the last couple of decades, we in America have, have called worship the music. And that's really not correct. Joel, you guys do a great job, and we're so thankful to have Joel here. Music is part of the worship. When Abraham took Isaac up on the mountain and he raised that knife to kill him, and then God asking him to do that, he worshiped God by doing that. When you have your quiet time in the morning or in the evening and you open up your Bible and it's just you and Jesus, you're worshiping God. When you hit your knees in prayer and you cry out to him, God, I need you. I need you so badly. You are worshiping God. When you go to the jail ministry, uh, Jack, and you're sharing, you're, you're piercing into that place where people are held captive. Jesus said his gospel would go to those that are behind bars and it would set the captives free. When you're doing that, you're worshiping God. So music is part of that, but worship is all the preaching and the teaching of God's word. We're worshiping him tonight. It's not just music and we've kind of got that wrong in America. It's Showing Christ the utmost love, the greatest respect, highest devotion. I've told you before, I have great respect for all that have been in the military. And I've asked sometime, I do not want to do something out of order, but I want to salute those that have been in the military. I wished I would have been. A lot of our family has. I have great respect. And when I, when I do that, I mean, I want to show you honor. Greater love is no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. And we've got people right now standing in harm's way so you can open your Bible. I want to show them greatest, great respect. But no respect, no honor, no devotion, no worship should go anywhere else unto Jesus our Lord and Savior. And when we raise our hands up to him, you know that's best Bible, don't you? I will that men pray everywhere, lifting holy hands. We're sitting in... Very conservative church tonight. Well, if somebody would have raised, thank you for raising your hand. If somebody would have raised their hands in the church that I grew up in, the pastor would have fainted. The elders would have run out. <laughs> they would, they, you know, don't do it for show. But man, there's just sometimes. I don't raise my hands a lot. I do sometimes in the service, Logan. But you know what? When I'm at home and I'm praying and I'm crying about things, my hands go up to him. Help me, Jesus, because I need you for everything. Because we worship him. We honor one another. We give uh, compliments to one another, but we are devoted to him. He is our utmost. He is our highest. And when she broke that and that perfume anointed Jesus' head, she was worshiping him in a wonderful, beautiful way. I thought it was interesting. This is close to Jesus' life. And someone brought a very costly gift to give unto him. You remember how Jesus' life started out? Born in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. And wise men came from the east and they brought very costly gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And they laid them down to this little baby's cradle. God had him given costly gifts in the beginning. 
and he's having him given, be given a costly gift at the end. Verse 4, but some, wouldn't you just know what we were going to get to that verse? Everything's going well. Boy, what a time of worship it was. Holy, honorable. Smell that perfume that has gone through the room. See the look on Jesus' face. Can you imagine the look on Jesus' face when he looked into Mary's eyes? Realizing, Mary, you love me. And I love you too. But some. Once again, the some, John the Apostle tells us this was Judas Iscariot. We're indignantly remarking to one another, why has this perfume been wasted? How much do you think they worshiped? Their minds on something else, their hearts on something else. They are not in uh, fellowship with Christ at that moment. And guys, that's what happened in churches. That's what elders have to deal with a lot of time. If everybody was in fellowship with God, these elders and the new elders to come, they wouldn't have to stay there till 1130 at night on Tuesdays because a lot of the problems they have to deal with would not be there. It's because we're some of those some that when a good, holy, precious thing was taking place, we're going to find fault with it. We're going to talk ugly about it. We're going to be jealous of the person. We're going to indignantly have another opinion and that's what happened there they were indignantly remarking to one another why has this perfume been wasted the Bible says that Judas is the one that argued about it and guess what he was he was the treasurer of the apostles guess what else he was the Bible says he was a thief so wouldn't he like three quarters of a year's wages put in the bag so he could take some of it out. Yeah. God knows the intent way down deep of somebody's heart. and They're acting like, we need to give this to the poor. He didn't care about the poor at all. He was trying to steal money. By the way, did you know you smell? Let me explain that. The Bible says that when we become a Christian, the Holy Spirit living inside of us creates an aroma unto life. You ever been somewhere, hospital, you've been in a school situation, you've been in a family situation, and somebody says, there's something different about you. They watch you walk through a crisis in, their li- in your life, and you do it with humility and patience and trusting God, and they say, there's something different about you. And they want to be around you sometimes because you smell good. The Bible calls that an aroma unto life. But for those that aren't saved, Christians are an aroma. We are a stench unto death. You know why we smell bad? Because every time they see us with a smile on our face and joy in our heart, their soul and their lives are convicted. I need to do what they're doing. I need to be like them. I need to be going to church and supporting my church. And that's what you've done here tonight. Guys, support this service so it can keep going. Support the evening service. Get people to come. And I'm not asking to always come. People say, well, it makes a long day. I understand that. My family, my wife's back there. We've understood that. We have children also that we raise in our church. And, and most of the time, we're the first, some of the first ones here and the last ones to leave. I understand. But he deserves our utmost. He deserves our highest. He deserves much more than that soccer game. And that dance recital.
Not me. He. We smell like death to those that aren't saved yet because their soul is gripped in sin. And they need what Christ has given us. You young, can I talk to the young people that are uh, around other friends and young people? And so good to see you guys. There's going to be sometimes you don't know why some of the other friends or people in the school just don't want to hang around with you. Well, it can be different reasons. We have different personalities, and some personalities don't match. But I'm going to tell you, there's going to be sometimes they just don't know why they don't want to hang around you, but it's because Jesus is in your heart. But if you'll be faithful, and keep on with Jesus. Keep on loving him. There's going to be a day when those that didn't want to hang around you start coming around. Start asking you questions. Can I go to church with you? And you're going to see them become a brother or sister in Christ. And you're going to be so excited. I told you before I went to my 40-something high school reunion. And uh, I was praying four hours. God, would you let me share Christ with all these people? They know I was a believer. Uh, they knew I loved you, Jesus, all those years, but would you let me share Christ with all the rest of them? And I got there, and for hours, I couldn't even sit down hardly because they were all coming and telling me what Jesus had done in their life. They couldn't wait to tell me. And I was so blessed. Verse 5, for this perfume might have been sold. Well, the woman could have sold it, couldn't she? She could have sold it and kept the money, but she sacrificed. Christian service is sacrifice. Those elders that just stood up here, prospective elders, they have signed a, a blank check of sacrifice for this church. That's why we honor them. This perfume might have been sold for over 300 denarii and the money given to the poor. They were scolding her. Can't you just hear that? Woman, what are you doing? And she's doing one of the greatest things that could ever be done to our Lord. Woman, why are you doing this? If we're not careful, we get just like that in churches. I'm going to go quickly. Do you notice the next three words in your Bible? I pray they're the same as they are in my verse 6. But Jesus said, and that's really all the words that matter. That'd solve all the problems we have, the racial problems and the economic problems and, and all the, the governmental problems and all the societal and familiar problems. It'd solve all those things if we just pay attention to it. But Jesus said, there's going to be times when you walk with Jesus and somebody's not going to like you. Get ready for it. But Jesus said, they're going to scold you sometimes saying, you're doing the wrong thing. If you do what I do, you're doing the right thing. And I'm not going to have any fellowship with you. Don't come to my house. We're not going to do all this. They're going to scold you for it. But Jesus said, because that's all that matters. There may be a time when it feels like the whole church or the whole world turns away from you. But just hold fast because all that's going to matter is but Jesus said. And what did he say? He said, let her alone. I love that. That's our big brother in the faith. Did you know that? Did you know that we're a brother to Christ? That's our big brother in the faith showing up for the little sister. Leave her alone. You remember those movies that have God speaking? I can't do it. I don't have a big voice. Leave her alone. That's what I picture that. And they go. <laughs> As for the church, what but Jesus said settles it. Our attitudes and our opinions, and they scolded this woman but they were wrong. We've got to get downwind of ourselves. We've got to look in the mirror. We've got to make sure 
to look in our own lives. They, the scoffers and the scolders had asked why earlier. Why has this not been sold? Jesus asked them a question now. Why do you bother her? She's done a good deed to me. Isn't it going to be surprising on the day of the Lord when we stand out, stand before him and all the rights are going to be right. All the wrongs are going to be made right and we're going to find out the truth about everything. And here Jesus said, you call it bad, but I call it good. Be careful. We could all fall into a trap and end up calling something good, bad. Well, I don't like the way they wear their hair. Be careful because it might be something Jesus said, it's good and you're calling it. But I don't like the music they have. Do you know that they have a drum set? Where's our drummer? You always get picked on. Hang in there, brother. You always do. Some people say that's bad. Jesus said that's good. We got to be careful that we don't misalign ourselves and scold like they did. You better be careful calling good bad and bad good because that's anti-Christ. And you don't want to be anti-Christ. This woman gave her best to Jesus. We need to check our priorities and our condition of devotion. And literally, if I looked you in the eye right now, we're almost through. If I looked you in the eye right now and said, are you giving your best to Jesus? I'm not the judge. I can't convict you. I'm not the Holy Spirit. But what would you feel inside your heart? Every one of us in this room and you do the same thing. I got you looking back at me. Mike, are you giving your best for Jesus? heard a lady, uh, verse 7, for you always have the poor. A lady yesterday told me that driving a bus, uh, Pam, a wonderful bus driver, said, I used to keep baggies with a $10 bill in there, and I had a toothbrush, and I had toothpaste, and I had uh, all kind of uh, toiletries and gifts and things in a little plastic baggie for people on the side of the road. They had a sign up that said, asking for money. I rolled down the window, stopped at a corner, and gave it to one girl. She pulled the $10 bill out and threw the rest of the stuff away. Well, Pam, our driver, said, I went around the block. I love it. And she went back to her and said, why'd you do that? I work hard for my money, and I did that out of the love and the goodness of my heart, and you threw that away. You're not going to do that to me. I think she asked for the $10 bill back. I hope she did. She went to her hotel that night, and that girl that had been begging on the side of the road was checked into the same hotel she was checked into. Jesus said, you always have the poor with you. And whenever you wish, you can do good to them. And Denton Bible's a church that does that. I'm thankful for uh, vision ministry. But you do not always have me. And notice verse, it says in verse 8, she has done what she could. We're commanded in Matthew 28 to go into all the world, preach the gospel. You may not be able to go into all the world, but you can help someone. You can help and support a missionary that can go. We need to do what we can. Jesus washed the disciples' feet. One of the greatest things Tommy ever taught one time at a, at a retreat one time was, if Jesus washed the disciples' feet, what can, and he put it like this, if Jesus can wash the disciples' feet, then I can blank their blank. You ever thought about that? If Jesus can wash the disciples' feet, well, I can blank, fill in the blank, their blank. Well, I want to ask you, if Jesus could wash the disciples' feet, what can you do for this evening service? I can blank their blank. Think about it. 
This woman's done good. She's anointed my body beforehand for burial. Real quickly, only a criminal would be buried without being anointed. And Jesus was going to suffer the, the death of a criminal. And God had him anointed ahead of time. And that's amazing. Jesus said, she's anointed my body beforehand for the burial. Truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world that this woman what this woman has done will also be spoken of in memory of her. Did you see that the word of God has been fulfilled here tonight? Wherever the gospel is preached, what this woman did will be spoken of her. And I've just done the exact thing Jesus said would be done. I want to close tonight with just telling you that that alabaster box of beautiful, sweet-smelling ointment that worshiped Christ has a special significance. First of all, Jesus Christ was the most costly, beautiful alabaster box of pure ointment that gave his life on Calvary and shed his blood for you and me, and he was broken on our behalf. He was broken and spilled out and used up for you and me. Secondly, we as those who want to give the highest devotion to Jesus, we are to be that alabaster box of ointment, costly uh, prize that our life too is broken. And it's spilled out for the church, for other people. And we ought to be at the end of our life used up. If you trade in a vehicle and you know, those places said, even if you have to drag it in, some of you probably taken advantage of that. And they say, how did you get that here? It's used up. We ought to be at the end of our life used up for Jesus. One day, a plain village woman driven by love for her Lord recklessly poured out a valuable essence, disregarding the scorn. And once it was broken and spilled out, a fragrance filled all the room like a prisoner released from his shackles like a spirit set free from the tomb, broken and spilled out, just for love of you, Jesus. My most precious treasure lavished on thee, broken and spilled out and poured at your feet. In sweet abandon, let me be spilled out. Let me be spilled out and used up for thee. Lord, you are God's precious treasure, his loved and his own perfect son, sent here to show me the love of the Father just for love it was done. And though you were perfect and holy, you gave up yourself willingly. You spared no expense for my pardon. You were used up and wasted for me, broken and spilled out just for love of me, Jesus, God's most precious treasure lavished on me broken and spilled out and poured at my feet in sweet abandon. Lord, you were spilled out and used up for me. Lord, you were spilled out and used up for me. A few days ago, I got a call that my mentor, a man 25 years, my senior, Warren Nostrum, was in the hospital again. Been in several times. Warren broke his hip last year. They did a surgery. They should have replaced his hip and they didn't do it so they had to go back and do another surgery and in the meantime at recovering from that he got shingles really badly and that's painful and 
He had fallen a few weeks ago and broken the other hip. I got to the hospital and my sister in Christ, where she's sitting right there, Vonnie was there. I saw heaven. I walked in the hospital room and my sister's there reading the scripture to my mentor, Warren. He's going to have to go through another painful surgery and Warren was there and it was hard for me to see him because he has given me counsel and advice and encouraged me for a long time. And in uh, moments of a, like a spasm, his pain hit him and, and uh, I've been in hospitals since 19, early 1970s visiting people. I've been with hundreds of people when they died in crisis and pain. But I'd never seen someone cry out in agony and pain like Warren was crying out. When that wave of pain hit him, he screamed in agony, didn't he, Bonnie? And she and I, our hearts were saying, oh, Jesus, give us that pain. Take it away from this sweet, sweet man. This man has lived a life in obedience to Jesus Christ. He loved his Lord. He loved his wife. He loved his family. He loved his church. A former elder here at Denton Bible for many, many years. He's up in age now in his upper 80s. And I told him and I, we prayed and I said, oh, if I could take that pain away from you, I'd take it away right now. It would subside for a minute. And then a few more minutes, it would come back again. And my mentor, screaming in agony and pain, all I could think about was the curse. The curse of sin has caused that. But there's going to be a day in heaven, and I want all of you to be there. There's not going to be any pain or sickness or sorrow. We're not going to need to cry anymore. There's not going to be any disease. We're not going to break any bones. We're not going to have cancer and heart disease there. I heard my brother Dan say that he went visiting and you saw that pain. You saw the agony that he was in. He's such a sweet, humble, kind man. Funny, generous. He's a quintessential gentleman. He's an elder statesman of the church. When he speaks softly, the crowds listen. Because he has walked the walk and not just talked the talk. And Dan asked him, after one of those spasms of pain, hurting, screaming, crying out, Dan asked him, so what do you think about God now? He said the same thing I guarantee you. He said to me and Vonnie, he's so good. Yes, I love him. He gave me Anna and he gave me the church and he's had mercy on me and he is so wonderful and so good. Warren Nystrom is an alabaster box of sweet ointment that's been broken and spilled up and almost spilled out and almost used up. He'll tell you. Won't be long. He's been spilled out for Jesus. That's what this passage is. That's what that woman is. And that's what most of all that's what Jesus is. Let's pray. Father, please hear our prayers now. 
Because without you, we don't smell very good. We've got sin. We've got all kinds of weaknesses, struggles. Oh, Lord, we failed you so many times. We have so far to go. But you're a good God. And Jesus, you gave your life broken and spilled out. You gave it all. They couldn't touch you till the moment you lowered that force shield. You lowered it now and you gave your cheek to those that would hit you. They plucked your beard. They put thorns on your head. They whipped you with a Roman whip on your back and they beat you because you let them. Because you counted everybody in this room here tonight so valuable that you would give your life in their place. You would redeem and purchase their soul even at the cost of giving your life. You were broken. You were spilled out. And when that soldier came and put that spear in your side and out of your hands and above your forehead and your feet, that blood gushed out. You were spilled out for us. And from that cross, not in bitterness, you could have killed everyone there. You said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. That's the greatest message this world could ever hear. You were broken. You were spilled up. And you finally said, it's finished. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And you were used up. Help me be the same. In Jesus' name.